Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour today on Trending. We're going to discuss everything from communication and marriage, making career changes. I talked a little bit about how we were going to discuss this yesterday. Um, Discerning when to reinvent yourself. A lot of people feel insecure today in their jobs due to the economy, or maybe just outright boredom, needing to make a change to bring you more income for your family or being more present. So joining me today is licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. You know him from the show, the Joe Sakura show that used to be here on Relevant Radio. And we're throwing it out there to you. Are you struggling in your marriage? Have things been difficult? Do you need some advice? Joe Sakura is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's here to help you and your marriage out. So give us a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also always ask your questions on social media as well. We are here. Again, that number is 1-888-914-9149. Are you struggling in your marriage? If so, what's going on? We'd love to work with you. Joe Sakura, welcome back to Trending. It's so great to be with you. I love the fact that you're doing this hour, the happiness you know, hour that includes marriage because marriage really does support the chance that we have, the greatest chance we have at being really happy is through a happy marriage. So I, I love the fact that you're doing this and I really appreciate you bringing me on to talk about it. I'm, it's a subject I'm really passionate about. Obviously, I do a lot of work with marriages as a therapist. It's some of the most difficult work. My heart really goes out to you right now if you're struggling. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you've lost your way, but there is a way back. So I want to begin with that. It's funny, Timory, before we came on, I was thinking about divorce and everything else. I said, well, I'm kind of an expert on this. I I wrote a book that includes chapters on marriage that you so kindly wrote a blurb for that's coming out next month. And I said, I'll just highlight what I've written. And my printer started spewing out pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. And I said, okay, that's not going to (laughs) work. But I've got the information. And I thought, you know, let's talk to the people who are really struggling. Uh, You know, Malachi, in the book of Malachi, the Old Testament, it says, God hates divorce. And I say, yeah, but most people who have had a divorce hate divorce. It's really Mm -hmm. a difficult thing to do. But most marriages can be saved. And this isn't just Joe the Catholic therapist saying, most therapists actually look at marriages and the struggles and the problems and say, yep, that can be turned around. So there is hope. 
Amen. Isn't that so true? I think a lot of people aren't encouraged with that hope-filled message. I remember Joe when I was getting married. I was so excited. My husband and I dated for far too many years. A different story for a different day. And when we were finally engaged, you know, God was, his hands were working through everything that was going on. There were so many people who were so pessimistic about um, my getting married. You know, oh, good luck. Huh? Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and uh, I remember, you know, here I yeah. am going, I just dated this man for way too many years and we're finally yeah. getting married. And this pessimism just astounded me. Um, but it's interesting because I see across the board in all the generations, but kind of speaking to you know, my generation, a lot of the younger marriages too uh, are lacking um, people to give them just advice in the day-to-day sometimes in those difficulties to reach in and help out a little bit. Or maybe they're estranged in some way from their own parents and didn't quite have good role models. And so there's a lot of floundering and people aren't reaching out for help at times. And so that's why if you're struggling in your marriage, I hope you'll give us a call today. Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist Joe Sikora is with me now. Happy to take your question. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Joe, I want to talk a little bit about communication marriage. This has been something on my mind in particular. We have a lot of change going on in our life. And I was talking yesterday with my guests about stress and how men and women react so differently to stress. And it's difficult, especially in marriage, to understand how the other person is responding to stress in particular. You know, men tend to uh, be a little more aggressive or shut down and become aloof when stress occurs. And sometimes, you know, everyone's different, not, you know, absolute male-female dynamics, but women tend to get a little more communicative in some ways when stress comes up. So can you talk a little bit about communication and maybe how to handle the differences in stress and respect kind of what the other person is going through while also having your needs met as well and being vocalized. Yeah. Well, you just said uh, a lot of really important things right there. So let's break it down a little bit because I want to come back to the whole idea of getting needs and wants met and and what that means in a marriage because it is actually really important, but there's a lot of myth about that. You know, we look to our spouse and think, oh, if you really love me, you would know what I need, or you feel like he's not giving me what I need. He doesn't, you know, so there's a lot of myths about that. But let's start with that whole idea of stress. The world really is stressed out right now. Everybody is really stressed out right now. And so, but really a great relationship, a great marriage is one of those things that inoculates us against the damages of stress almost more than anything else. You can eat right, you can exercise, you can do all these things. But your relationship is probably the one thing that if you work on having a happy, supportive, loving marriage, that will inoculate you against the ravages that stress actually causes, and it does. But let me throw out a big fancy word that I like to use at dinner parties, if i just needing to sound smart, which isn't often, but every (laughs) once in a while. And the word is this, and it's important when we talk about stress. The word is alexithymia. And what that means is an inability to read, to understand actually what you feel. So you might be stressed or your husband might be stressed and you actually don't know. You don't understand the origins of the stress, where it's coming from, or even that you're stressed. So that, you know, you just take it out and you start yelling or you, you know, are mean to the dog, whatever, whatever it is you do. (laughs) And men actually are more suspect to this than women. Women, I think by training, by culture, 
you know, you talk about feelings, you know, how are you doing, Diane? And Diane tells you about what she feels and you share those feelings. So you're better at that. Whereas men were more, uh, you, I don't know, we're just less trained at actually understanding what it is that we feel. So you ask me, Joe, how are you doing today? And I say, oh, I'm fine, Tim, right, thanks. But the truth is I'm really stressed out, but I don't communicate that because I don't actually understand that that's what's going on in my body. So I think the first step is to really understand what it is that you're feeling. The second step is to really identify what are the origins of this stress. Because a lot of times couples will fight where because they're stressed in their job or they're stressed about their prospects or they're stressed because they got to write a paper in college. Well, probably if you're in your college, you're probably not married, but, but all these other things. So getting in the habit of actually just communicating and talking and saying, you know, what's really going on for you right now? What, what, is that, what does that feel like? It sounds funny, but I think that's really the first step is to really have an open ear and be willing to talk about those feelings. But let me say this before, and I apologize for rambling on, but if you feel overwhelmed, one of the big mistakes that couples make is if they're angry or if they're really stressed out, to demand the conversation. It's like, oh, I see you're really stressed. You gotta tell me about it right now. And then it turns into a fight. So I'd say <laughs> if you've got something important to talk about in your marriage, take a beat, take some time. It might be a few hours, it might be the next day, but then come back and have the conversation when you feel like you can have it. Mm. I think it's a lesson in particular for us women. I know I'm absolutely guilty of that. I know something's going on. I maybe don't know what it is with my husband or maybe I do know what it is. I'm like, let's work on it. And it's just bad timing. But the overcommunication of women or sometimes I would say the uh, misplaced curiosity, you know, sometimes it's okay to not know exactly what's going on. And I think that's hard for us as women, Joe. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's hard for women, I think, but it's because it's hard for men to actually know what they're feeling or admit what they're feeling because, well, you know. Yeah, so this is a trigger word, though. I think that's yes. a trigger word. You said, you mentioned, you know, saying like, hey, how are you feeling? You know, that's a trigger word for a lot of men. Yes. Um, I, how do you break through that, um, both for a man who's saying, I'm being told I need to figure out how I feel, okay, or a woman who's literally looking at her husband and trying to evoke these emotions out of him? How is yeah. that done for, from both sides? Well, I think the first thing is you've got to learn to control your own anxiety. So let's say you and your husband are, are struggling or you sense he's struggling. As a woman, as a good wife, you actually want to support him. And so you think, oh, the way to support him is to open up, to have him open up and talk about his feelings. <laughs> but, you know, he might not be there yet. He might not know, understand what it is he's feeling. So I'd say one of the things that you can do is just, just be present with that other person. You don't even necessarily have to talk about everything. You don't have to have a conversation necessarily about feelings. It's fine if you do. But just being that calm, loving presence sometimes is enough. So rather than demanding a lot of words to explain what it is that you feel, actually just give yourself, you know, to that relationship, to your husband, whoever's struggling, and just say, I'm just here with you. And hold hands, touch, hug, share a meal, laugh, do anything. And then once those feelings have, you know, gone down a little bit, subsided, 
then you can say, hey, tell me what's going on for you. You don't even have to say feelings. Tell me what you're feeling. But hey, tell me what's going on for you. Oh, I had a really hard day at work. The boss told me I was no good at what I'm doing. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. And so that sort of opens the door. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of the reading the other day at Mass from Philippians that was a good kind of kick in the pants for me as I was you know, working through some of the stress and what was going on for us, uh, where St. Paul's talking in Philippians chapter 2 about do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourself, each looking out not for his own interests, but also everyone for those of the other. And I thought this was so relevant because it's easy in marriages, again, coming down to the stress level, we as women want to communicate and kind of get to the bottom of what's going on and demand a response and details and information about how the other yeah. person's feeling. But that's selfish because you're not seeing that the other person is more important and they shouldn't have to communicate on the timeline or way in which I would like to have it communicated because it will make me feel better about the other person's stress. Yes, yes, that's that's such a great point. Remember, the vast majority of communication, 80% of communication is nonverbal. So even though obviously you're very articulate, you have a radio show, you're you're good at speaking, you're good at communicating, but remember 80% of communication between people is done nonverbally. So you can communicate to your husband, to your wife, I care without words, but with a look, with a touch, you know, very simple things. So we shouldn't always think that all of the communication has to do with, you know, an exchange of words. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's very interesting when people come to me, uh, you know, couples come to me and say, oh, we're we're really struggling. I get it. You know, and I, I love to do that work. And frequently what they'll say is, you know, I'll ask, well, what's going on? What's the problem? And they'll say communication. And really what that means is it's not that you can't articulate what it is that you're feeling. For the most part, if you feel or sense a breakdown in communication, is that you've lost that capacity or the emphasis on listening. Listening is so important because when you listen, when you prioritize, let me understand what's going on for you. What you're communicating is, you matter. I see you. I hear you. So I, I think listening it would be a, a great way. When you're thinking about communication, I'd say, how can you become a better listener? Mm, excellent. Excellent. That's a licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. It's our weekly marriage hour today on trending. Are you struggling in your marriage? Again, licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura is here to help you and your spouse grow and heal with a faith-filled perspective on your current situation. Uh, give us a call. Number is 1-888-914-9149 with your challenges that you're going through. Mary from Arizona is on the line. Mary, welcome to Trending. What's your question for Joe today? Hi, Timory. Thank you for having the show. Um, so my question is, my husband goes camping for the weekend. Doesn't tell me. Just takes off, goes camping. My daughter, um, her curfew is 10 o'clock, and I told her to be home by 10 o'clock. It's now 11.30 when she comes home. So I'm dealing with this. The next day when my husband comes home, he tells my daughter I'm trying to control her. Not about that because I wouldn't let her drive. Okay. So my daughter is locked up in her room. She does not talk to me. 
doesn't listen to anything I say. Um, if I try and talk with her, she's like, go away. Yeah. So how should I handle that? Because he, he basically undermined, I was trying to mm -hmm. discipline her. Yeah, it's a great because question. He, yeah. So let me jump in. I think there's a couple things going on. First of all, Mary, thank you for calling. I, I really appreciate it. It's probably a question that a lot of people have. And let me tell you what I think is going on. And the clue to me was when you said, my husband just goes off by himself and goes camping. Most couples, the, the failure of marriage actually occurs when couples grow apart. And starting to live a life that is completely separate uh, is probably an indication that somebody is shut down or somebody has left. Even if you say, no, I believe in marriage, I'm not leaving the marriage, I'm going to stay. A lot of times we shut down emotionally or we just live lives that are really separate. And I think that's going on between you and your husband. And, and I think the thing that you can do is really try to invite him in to a world that you share. I, easier said than done, but I just want to say this and, and let you sort of think about what that might look like. But think about the things that he enjoys. Actually be curious about it. Tell me, honey, what it is about camping. What do you love about camping? Do you think I could go camping with you? You know, it's, it's wonderful when you can trade off and get into each other's worlds because, again, divorce happens because of distance. So you've got to find ways to close that gap. You've got to find ways to actually have a shared life together, whatever that means. And I, I encourage couples to share love and laughter and playful activities. You know, it's wonderful if you can share your faith, of course, and prayer and everything else. But remember, you know, we've got to have this sense of lightness and, and love and laughter. So find those things that you can actually share together. I suspect, and I don't know for sure, I've only listened to you for about a minute, but I suspect that your daughter, when she shuts herself off, she's reflecting the distance in the relationship. Does that make sense? In other words, she's symbolically representing the marriage. She's shutting herself off just as your husband has kind of moved away from the relationship. Now, you can't change what your husband does, but you can A, try to join him, or B, actually invite him into your life so that he can become a part of something that you think he would enjoy, something playful and fun. Does that make sense? I know that's a lot of information. Oh, yes. I thought I lost you. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. I think, I don't know, I think it's a place for us to start. You know, it's a place yeah. for us to start. We're just so, I'm so angry at stuff that he has done that yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know if so I could do that. But but you you can you can do that. I know it's difficult, and I certainly respect the, the challenge that that presents. But I would say the first step is for you to deal with your anger. You know, you there's no doubt you've hurt each other. He probably, if I talked to him, he'd say, "Well, Mary has done this, this, and this," and you could point out and say, "Well, he's done this, this, and this." And I would believe you both. There's no doubt about it. You've hurt each other. But for your sake, Mary. Not, not for his sake first, but for your sake, I say, forgive. And what that means is to let go of the hurt, the resentment, and the anger that you feel. Because when you do, because he's not going to want to come near you if he just says, yes, Mary's angry all the time. I, I get near her and she yelps. But if you can 
deal with your own anger and let that go. You know, forgive. You're setting more the stage that you can come back together and have that conversation or engage in that playful, fun activity. What do you think? Hmm. You know, well, Joe, kind of... Go ahead, Mary. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more going on that I really can't say, but yep. um, it's nice to know kind of like what the goal would be, I guess. So yes, if the goal, then I have to figure out maybe I could do part of it or maybe, I don't know. And well, I'm curious, just kind of jumping in, Mary, yeah. resentment and apathy. Like, I feel like we go through, like, we there's resentment and then there's apathy and then there's almost like the verge of quitting, but it doesn't sound like you want to quit. So the question is, where do you go from here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me, thank you. Let me, su- let me suggest something, Mary, before you hang up real quick. A lot of times when I suggest to couples that they must forgive. Now, remember, forgiveness is God's commandment. We don't have a choice to forgive. <laughs> right? Jesus says this in the Our Father, the prayer, you know, forgive as, as you have been forgiven. But forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. You can forgive, or you might be withholding forgiveness because you think, well, if I forgive, that means I'm giving him a pass on all of his bad behavior. That is not what forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is about you letting go thoughts of retaliation, you letting go of your anger. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness just sets the stage. It helps you to calm yourself. You're forgiving for your sake. Yes, is the marriage going to benefit because of forgiveness? Absolutely. But when you forgive for your sake, when you let go of that anger, the retaliation, then you actually set the stage, which is for, um, for to renegotiate the re- relationship, you know, mm-hmm. which is to say, okay, this behavior that's gone on hasn't been good, but I can forgive you. But that doesn't mean we're reconciled. See, reconciliation is a different aspect of it. It's, it's separate from forgiveness. You forgive, but reconciliation is about bringing back the relationship anew, bringing back the relationship with changes. So I think if you understand that, that forgiveness isn't about giving him a pass on what he's done. It's about letting go of your anger and resentment. That actually just sets you up for that second stage, which is reconciliation. And that's probably work that you might need to do with a professional therapist. Does that help to clarify? And we'll just jump in here. CatholicTherapist.com is an excellent resource uh, for finding that that resource to go deeper, but with a faith-filled perspective. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Joe Sakura, licensed marriage and family therapist. Are you struggling in your marriage? We're happy to work through that with you. Again, here is a licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. Happy to take your questions and find hope and healing to move forward. We'll be right back here on Trending during our weekly marriage hour.
You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So with the marriage hour today on Trending, are you struggling in your marriage? Licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Secor is here with me to take your questions and listen to your challenges and give some hope and faith-filled advice. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. Anne from Minneapolis is calling and just wants to share some words of encouragement uh, for those who are struggling in their marriage, especially Mary's situation that we were just walking through. And real quick, what are those words of encouragement you wanted to share? Hey, Timory. Yeah, I just wanted to encourage... Um, all the women out there, and especially Mary, I just, I feel for you. I've been there, and um, there are just, I could feel, like, the hurt, and I just wanted to promise her that, like Dr. Sakura said, when you start with yourself internally, and then get counseling for yourself even first, um, and then just trust that God can do it, and then um, putting in that work with yourself, though, and letting go of the resentment, it is so hard, because you just see the hurt that they've done to you, but once you do that, then you take the right steps, and then sometimes it allows them to then come back and actually see what they've done a little bit, and then that also kind of can be cathartic, but starting with yourself, and I just want to encourage Mary, because I really felt like I connected with her, and I felt for Mm -hmm. her, so it does get better. Yeah, been there. Thank you, Anne. Uh, words of hope and encouragement. And if you're struggling in your marriage too, catholictherapist.com is an excellent resource, as well as helpourmarriage.org. That's helpourmarriage.org. We're posting links on social media. And if you're interested in working with Joe in the Southern California area, you can find him at callingsong.com. If you're struggling in your marriage, we'd love to help. Give us a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. That's licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. Joe, I've been thinking about resentment and how resentment can be such a challenge uh, within marriage. And it can turn to apathy for many people um, and eventually to quitting. Yet I hear people who call in here on Relevant Radio, here on Trending, when marriages are getting difficult, they don't want to quit, even though they're slightly quitting. And I think that's because from a faith-filled perspective, we know that marital vow, that commitment we make is for life and we're called to fidelity. Um, Can you talk a little bit to how we can work through that resentment and apathy that builds and then reconcile it with a sacrament and that commitment and not just allowing it to just kind of sit there stagnant? I think we lost Joe. We'll reconnect with Joe in a moment here, getting his thoughts. Uh, But speaking to the challenge we have, I think, in marriage where resentment can so easily build and it can build over years or it can build over, you know, hours and a few, few weeks and it can be a season, but I see resentment as a real challenge that can come and go for many people within the context of marriage. And I think often sometimes that resentment comes from first resenting how we have allowed things to turn into what they are and rather than trying to fix them um, on our part or, you know, opening the space to help for healing on the part of the other, whatever might be happening, you know, pornography addiction, you know, being distant or aloof, whatever that is, uh, those steps are so important, especially from a Catholic perspective. And I think that really resentment, one of the best things for 
overcoming and growing out of that resentment that builds, whether it's in marriage or any part of our life, is through gratitude. I've always found that when I might, you know, find a point or a stage in my life where I feel like resentment's building a little bit, that gratitude exercises can be some of the most helpful things. I've made, you know, a prayer of gratitude part of my nightly routine after doing an examination of conscience. You know, seeing so many things I'm thankful for. You know, my home, the land I live on, my children, um, you know, opportunities God has given to serve, the the challenges of the day. Uh, But sometimes when I really need that extra push to be more grateful to break through the resentment that's building and it might be within the context of you know marriage it could be within the context of work or just life circumstances I'll literally take my rosary out and on each and every single bead I will go through and pray a specific thing I'm thankful for and maybe it's praying if it's your spouse you know those things that you are grateful for. And maybe you can't find what those things are today and presently uh, because there's resentment and there's frustration. Uh, But you can think back. Think back, okay, you know, when we were first dating. Or think back when we first got married, you know, during those honeymoon years. Or when we first had, you know, our first child and how he helped to take care of me. Or, you know, find those moments in your journey and find those things you are grateful for to start having those positive thoughts and interactions with your spouse again to help break through that resentment that has been building to remind yourself of the good. I remember some years ago, I saw a piece of research that it talked about how for all the negative experiences we have with someone, I think it went somewhere along the lines of this, for every negative experience we have with our spouse, we needed somewhere between seven and 10 positive interactions to help make up for that one negative experience. So let's say you start the day off, was one of the worst ways, right, with arguing. Well, you need seven to eight positive engagements to help build up and heal that negative interaction that took place. And especially when it's so difficult at the very founding and beginning point in your day. Um, So I think that resentment is one of those things that from a faithful perspective, understanding the gift of being grateful. And I always bring this back to the sacraments in particular. Um, We know that the Eucharist, we receive our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we recognize that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is an absolute gift to us. But then we think about it. The gift of communion, where we're receiving, we're reaping the benefit of Christ's sacrifice, that is an absolute gift. And in the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice known as the Todah sacrifice, known as the Thanksgiving sacrifice. And we know that in part, the Eucharist is a fulfillment of that Todah sacrifice, that the Eucharist is the Thanksgiving sacrifice. And so when we receive the Eucharist, the Eucharist is an opportunity for us to enter in in gratitude to that specific sacrifice of entering into the gratitude we have for that great gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we can find gratitude for specific things such as our Lord in the Eucharist, and we start with that saying, Lord, I'm so thankful for you. 
and all the good things that you do in my life. And even for the challenges in my life, we can then move out into other areas of gratitude. And so I think sometimes that's a really helpful place when addressing those particular challenges. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura is my guest today. Uh, Joe, we have a question coming in from Kelly from Illinois. Kelly, welcome to Trending. What's your question today? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, so I have a question about relationships, well, marriage, when you have like zero support from parents, meaning grandparents, um, and, um, you know, just my situation with my husband is, you know, we never argued, right? We were in this great relationship, got married, had our fam- you know, started having our family. And then, you know, the more kids we are having, the less support we're getting from our extended family. And now it's causing like so much arguing between the two of us. Um, we just don't have date nights. Like we just don't have time really to foster our marriage. Um, and we resent the people who we would expect to support us the most who are. So I just wanted to get some advice on that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you don't feel that support. And certainly having a marriage and having kids is a real challenge and having support is so necessary. Remember what scripture says, a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave her home. The two become one. So the relationship that you and your husband have has to be primary. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of families, you know, you go off and get married and they don't see your struggle and they don't, you know, they're going to disappoint you because grandma and grandpa aren't going to volunteer to take care of the kids. So I'd say look for that support, A, in each other, but then reach out to your church communities. You know, most church communities, I, I remember when I was newly married and had a young family, we founded this wonderful, you know, group of people, of other young parents, and, and you know, we formed uh, communities that we'd watch each other's kids and everything else. It's perplexing and it's disappointment, but I would say monitor your resentment and your anger. You know, let go of that. You've got to accept what your family can and can't do or will or will not do and try to find alternative means. You know, it's a challenge, but this can be an opportunity for the two of you to come together during this difficult time. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's tough. There's no easy answer, but there are other people like you, young couples with kids who are struggling. And I think the best place where I found them was in our church community. And these are people that I'm still wonderfully close to right now. Mm-hmm. Joe, you know, I really, really relate, Kelly, to your situation because we've been living um, in the Midwest, completely isolated from all of our family. And I never expected I would be so far from family. But, you know, I don't have, I haven't had that support. And, you know, people talk and we talk about it here on Trending. Hey, you know, try to go on the weekly date nights or do these things to support and foster your marriage. But when you don't have a way sometimes to do that, or I know for us, it's, you know, the question is, is it worth the $60 or whatever it might be in a babysitter um, in order to go out for the night? Plus, you know, going out to eat, plus the gas, you know, all of these different things, it becomes very expensive and not necessarily worth all of the coordination and effort 
as well. And so I, I feel for your situation. And I know something my husband and I have tried to do being in this season of life, because it's a season, um, has been, you know, advice like Joe has said, understanding that there are people um, through building up your community where that can come. I know people have told me many times, you know, trade. If there are people that you trust to watch your kids, you know, maybe you trade with them. You know, hey, if you guys want to go on a date night, you guys can do it this night. Um, something my husband and I try to do, was part of the reason why I really do like, you know, kind of keeping my daughter in a really good sleep schedule is that she goes to bed at seven. And so we aren't really able to do things ever during the weeknights because of our schedule. But on the weekends when she goes to bed, it's a good time to really be intentional. Okay, when she goes to bed, this is time. And don't get distracted by doing other things in the house. Really, really invest in that quality time together uh, when they go to sleep and have a plan. Like, be intentional. Okay, are we going to make a particular meal together? Can I make something um, for myself? Or we love to play games, you know, play games. Or maybe it's just you would like to watch a movie together and cuddle on the couch. But I think I've found for us being intentional in this situation, the season of life that we've been in, has been extremely helpful. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. My guest today is Joe Sakura, and we're going to come back diving into the topic of career changes, how to reinvent yourself in your career. I know there is a lot of uh, insecurity with the job market at times and security and longevity. Some people are struggling with boredom, and especially when you're married, that can bring a lot of uh, anxiety or fear within the context of your marriage if you are interested in reinventing yourself in your career, but you're not really sure how to navigate that. Or maybe you just need to be more present to your family or bring more income in. So we'll talk about that in just a moment with Joseph Cora, licensed marriage and family therapist here on Trending. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist at Joe Secor is joining me today on Trending with Tim Ray. You know him from the Joe Secor show that used to be here on Relevant Radio. You can find him and his work at callingsong.com. He wrote an incredible book called Defying Gravity, Choosing um, in Choosing Your Family and really on happiness. So you'll have to check out that book. We're posting links on social media. He has a new book coming out uh, in the coming weeks that we'll be sharing more details about. Joe, is it available for pre-order yet? Not yet, I wish, but I'm really excited. It's going to be out hopefully uh, sometime, uh, yeah, in a few weeks. <laughs> so I'll let you know as soon as it is. I'm really excited. It's called The Whole World is Going Crazy, But You Don't Have to. <laughs> mm. So it's really a psychological and scriptural response to the, pri- the crises and difficulties that you encounter in everyday life. And the answer, the response. So I'm really excited about it. It touches on everything from happiness to resilience, things that we all need in the culture that we're presently living in. Listen, Joe, I want to talk about something that I thought was really up your alley. We're living in this time right now where uh, what people are referring to as a great resignation. People are making job changes. Many people are quitting working altogether. I hear from many people who need to make changes for their family. They're concerned about job security. Maybe they're feeling bored in their job and it's impacting uh, their performance, or maybe they need to make more or be more present to their family. And I think that this whole idea of reinventing yourself, 
reinventing your career, even sometimes just job searching when you don't want to can be such a hurdle. You've made many changes in your career. I know that you've been a police officer, uh, you've been an actor, and you are a licensed marriage and family therapist working especially, you know, in Catholic radio as well. Can you speak to this challenge and give advice for this season that many people find themselves in, especially men, especially fathers? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a stressful time, which is which is interesting because Gallup actually reports that employees who were struggling or suffering in their own personal lives were about as twice as likely to change jobs than those who were thriving. So that would be the first thing that I'd say is if you're really feeling that inclination to change jobs, it might be a good thing, you know, it might not. But I'd say first look at your life. Because if you're really happy and content in your life, if your marriage is good, if you're healthy, then, you, then you're probably less likely to feel that need to jump ship and change. But if you're doing really well in your life or moderately well, you feel good, but you feel that real sense of dissatisfaction with your job, then yeah, that might be a clue that it's time to you know, change jobs. I, I love to point out you know, the gospel. Jesus calls who to become his apostles? Oh, fishermen, tax collectors, <laughs> disreputable people. So, you know, we've got this wonderful capacity to actually change and grow. And a lot of life is very exciting when we actually rise up to that challenge and say, okay, I've done this. I've been an accountant, but what I really want to do is be a teacher. But the first thing I'd say is, again, go back, look at your own life. Maybe that's where you start. If you can find that happiness, that peace, that contentment in your personal life, then you might look at the job thing a little bit differently. Mm, that's fascinating. I hadn't seen that Gallup poll that came out because that uneasiness that is occurring for many people in their work life, um, it comes back to this whole idea that we work to live, we don't live to work. And so sometimes we're putting too much focus on our job when things in our personal lives aren't necessarily going as well. And that can be part of the catalyst for having that feel or need to reinvent yourself in your career because you're putting too much of your worth on it. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true sometimes, but it's how I think we look at our jobs too. For instance, you might have a job where you're mopping floors in a hospital. And if you look at your job and say, oh, yeah, I mop floors, you might be discontent. But if you look at this job that you clean hospitals so that other people can find help, you're promoting health, you're promoting healing, that might change your perspective. So sometimes, again, it's about your own perspective. What are you doing? How do you look at your job? But a lot of things, again, 86% of millennials actually would say, I'll make less money because I really want a job that is whose mission is in line with my values uh, and whatnot. So that's important too. You know, I mean, if you if you can't look at your job and say, yes, I'm serving God by doing this, maybe the job that you're doing is really inconsistent with what you value. You know, mm-hmm. if what you value is really helping people, but you're in a job where you're just there to fleece them of their money, <laughs> say, well, maybe it's time to consider a job change. So that's something else to think about. But I, but I think it's exciting. You know, it, it's not that we should always be jumping ship. I think first we've got to try to look at why we're doing what we're doing, our own personal lives. But if you're still feeling that dissatisfaction, uh, you know, don't follow my career, but, you know, actor, stuntman, cop, therapist, radio host, everything else, 
But, you know, life is short. Uh, you know, ask God for that guidance and give him, you know, for the strength and grace and, and challenge yourself to actually grow. It's, mm-hmm. that, it's exciting when we do that. So another caveat of this, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura. You can find him at callingsong.com. That's callingsong.com. We post a link on social media as well as to his book. And stay tuned. Another book is coming out in the coming weeks. The whole world's going crazy, but you don't have to. Uh, Joe, another caveat to this whole career change and reinventing yourself is I'm seeing many men, especially millennials down, who are dissatisfied with the uh, presence of a in-office cubicle sitting job in front of a computer. Yet they've been trained for this. They went through their whole education. They received the degrees, sometimes even higher education. And now they find themselves in the job that they've been working toward all this time, and they're not satisfied with that. They want to move more. They want to be more active with their hands. Um, And there's that strong dissatisfaction and desire for more of the physicality of work. Um, Is that legitimate? You know, should there be a balance to it? Should they be doing more outside of work to help, uh, you know, kind of temper that? Or is going kind of back on everything they've trained for and reinventing their career legitimate? You know, I I don't think it's an either or. You bring up a good point. There is a balance. You know, there is this idea that, um, you know, we, we've got to be pleased with our environment. You know, you spend about 90,000 hours over a lifetime working. So if you're kind of miserable looking at that cubicle, that's a lot of compounded misery. <laughs> I'd say maybe if you can't deal with that, you've got to change your environment. A lot of offices are, are actually getting hit to this and they're making the office more, you know, likable and fun and whatever else, but that a topic for a different day. But think about this from an evolutionary standpoint, we have lived outdoors the vast majority of time. You know, we've lived outdoors where there was height, you know, hunting saber tooth tigers for dinner, or it was, you know, cultivating the field so we could plant something or chasing around the continent looking for food to eat. So this idea of being so sedentary is actually really foreign to the body. It actually is something more of a modern uh, invention that we make a living by sitting in front of a computer and, and punching buttons and everything else. So I think the urge to be out is actually really natural and, and healthy, to tell you the truth. Now, I would say this, that if you find yourself that you, you know, you're not a fireman, so you're not jumping around buildings and putting up fires and, and enjoying your life that way, If you do have a job where you're more sedentary, I'd say make sure when you get off, you go hiking in the mountains or you go out into the park and work out or you, you know, play basketball outside. You've got to have enough of that uh, because physical health supports mental health and, you know, it can be a downward spiral. So I get it when people say I can't sit behind this desk anymore. There's good reasons why you can't. Yeah. Yeah, there's legitimate bodily needs. And my husband, I know the last really eight, nine months has used his standing desk and he stands all day. He said, I focus so much better. It's been a game changer. You know, when you don't exercise in the morning or at least at some point during the day, you know, four to five times a week, it, it's hard to be in that stagnant place. I could never sit nine to five in an office space. Like I know myself, I couldn't, I would be miserable and a mean human being. <laughs> um, you know, I love, yeah. that's why I love Southern California. You can work outside 
outside, right, in the beautiful weather all year round. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, I, I really appreciate you pointing people to the website, which is in transition. I'm working on it right now. But you can I do podcasts about one a week or so, and you can find those if on Apple or Spotify or wherever. Just go Joe Sikora Show, and you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Because I talk about a lot of these great topics that you cover on your show as well. So, um, But we'll have a lot to talk about when the book comes out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I'm there's, excited there's a lot for of these great topics. That's yeah, Joe yeah. Sakura show. Joe Sakura, Sakura spell S I K O R R A, and you can find him at callingsong.com as well. Joe, final tips to people who are trying to reinvent themselves, change careers. If you were to take that first step again, I know you've done it many times, changing from police officer, actor, stuntman, licensed marriage and family therapist. What is that first step? I think is to acknowledge the fear. A lot of what keeps people stuck in a job that is disappointing or unfulfilling is you think, oh, I can't do that. I can't take, I can't learn to be a teacher. I'm, I'm a cop right now, or I can't become whatever it is. We have to learn to address the fear because fear is what keeps us, quote unquote, safe and stable. You know, it's like, oh, I, that's scary. I don't want to do that. But life is meant to be lived vibrantly. You know, this resurrection life that God gives us is, is like, is supposed to, enjoy, we're supposed to enjoy a certain uh, aspect of it that is kind of, yes, now what? Now what do I do? So address the fear. Think about what it is that you want to do. If you want to make a job change, start taking small steps towards learning that. Like if you wanted to become a computer programmer, hey, spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes at night. You know, learning that, understanding that, because what that's actually doing is addressing the psychological need to quiet the fear. If you can begin to quiet the fear, then you can begin to think more creatively and say, yeah, what could my life be? You know, what is it that I feel, uh, you know, called to do? But look at those traits, you know, within yourself before you just think another job change. You know, what, what are those strengths within you, those signature strengths? You know, I love to serve people or I love to be around people, or I'm an introvert. You know, all these things can really guide uh, you as you take these next steps. But I think the fear is the first thing. You know, you can quiet the fear, then you can begin to think more creatively about what would be meaningful. And I would say pursue a job, not because of money, but because it has meaning. You can find purpose in that. And that's typically we find that when we're serving others. And kind of final question, it's a big one, but in the brief moment we have, if you're building up that resume, what's the one quick tip you'd give for building a new resume on a completely different job trajectory? Uh, we'll learn. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> pretend like you know it all. Just be, be somebody who can learn and change and grow and take direction. Excellent. That's a Joe Sakura. You can find him at callingsong.com. His new book, The Whole World is Going Crazy, You Don't Have to, is coming out in the coming week. So stay tuned. You can check out his podcast, Joe Sakura Show, wherever you catch your podcast as well. We'll post links on social media. Coming up next is The Family Rosary Across America.
This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Are you trying to navigate screens, social media, phones, and video games in your home with yourself, your children? Well, we're taking your questions on Trending this Friday with special guest Melanie Hempy from ScreenStrong.com. She's helping families and individuals take back their lives from the digital world. Anger, depression, whatever it might be, it is being influenced by how we do or don't use our technology. So join me Friday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.